Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the Rise on Fire live stream for tonight. It's such an honor for me to be here with you. Um, I am recovering. I am asking for you guys to have mercy on me here. I just came out of being under the weather for a week and a half, um, bedridden. Oh man, it was all awful. You know, I, I felt very weak, you know, and um, it reminded me again of how weak we can sometimes feel you know you you get if you've ever had you know any kind of sickness bad you you're in bed and you feel like you don't even have the strength to pray if you know what i mean it's like you you all you can be like is, is god help me lord just help me just do something i don't know what i could do you feel helpless and um, oh, by the way, I'm doing so much better, as you can see, you know, if I have a cough or something here or there, please forgive me. Um, but I'm, I'm really eager to serve you guys here tonight and to talk about the Lord. And, and what I felt when I was there in that, you know, that sick place, that weakness, it's very relevant to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, if you saw the title, this teaching, I titled it How to Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or, 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 you know, that thing that we see in Scripture. And if you hear that, that phrase, how to walk in the power of the Spirit, you might even think of it as being so charismatic sounding. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what the charismatics do. They, they walk in the power of the Spirit. And, you know, like we don't want to. And some of us are even like a little scared of that whole thing. Um, but tonight, tonight we're going to discover how biblical this really is. And and really, I want to submit to you what it looks like um, or, or rather how we see that happen to us, how we walk in that. Um, the, the, the picture that I chose for this video is a picture of one of these power um, towers that you see. You know, when you drive around, you see these power lines and power lines are held up by these massive steel beam tower things. And when you look at these things, you know, they're they're there and they're carrying the power from the power station to your house. But these things in of themselves, these towers, they they don't do anything except carry the power. The power is not generated by them. The power is generated somewhere far away and it's carried to a destination by them. And I want to submit to you, that's how we are. We are like this, these towers that are supposed to be carrying God's power into the world around us. We are not the source of it. It's very important to know, like we're not the source of that. It's not by what we do that generates that power. That power is gen generated by the Lord, if you know what I mean. The power station is way back in line. And so if we take away the power station, there is those those power uh, towers that are carrying these lines. They have no purpose. They and they can't deliver anything of value. Their value is really derived from the fact that they're plugged in. I want to ask you, are you plugged in? 
You see, because God wants you to be an asset, a valuable asset for his kingdom, carrying his power into the world so that the world can experience the deliverance and freedom of God. Now, I want to just read here Luke 24, verse 49 for you. Uh, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's what the Messiah said is wait until you are clothed with power. This was the Holy Spirit he was speaking about that would soon be poured out when he was saying this. So there is this biblical element of power that we are clothed with, that we receive because of what the Messiah did. He died on the cross for our sins to make us clean and for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us. But uh, I want to now now let's 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 get right into it. Like what is how do we walk in this power? How do we get clothed in this power? Now, I, I want to read to to answer this. I, I want to turn to uh, Paul here for a second. And, and Paul said uh, something that I want you to pay attention to, because this is one of those verses that we read, but we it just kind of goes right over our head sometimes. We don't get that he just divulged one of the greatest keys ever um, to walk in the spirit. And so uh, I'm just going to open it here for you. What we see here is I want you to pay attention to um, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 here and all going on to verse 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right. That's really beautiful. And you know what? What he said here, that's the most key thing I want you to see is he said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. All right. So he is saying to have the power of Christ rest upon me. I am boasting in my weakness. Why? What, what does his weakness have to do with the power of God? Well, really, almost everything, because if you understand you are weak in an area, you then, by consequence, understand your dependence on God. And on the other hand, if you think that you're strong in an area, you are going to think that you have adequate skills or strengths of whatever sort. And therefore, there's going to be less dependency on God. And so Paul is saying, I recognize my weaknesses. I recognize, therefore, how dependent I am on the Lord. And I will now boast in my weakness. I will because what he means by boasting is weakness. He's just saying he's speaking out his weakness. He's saying this is where I'm weak. I know I am weak in these areas. I know I need the Lord. If the Lord does not show up, I have nothing to offer. And from that place, 
the Lord's power comes. You see, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> if we believe that it is of our doing, whatever we're doing, whatever we want to do, if we think it is our works, our strength, that we have accomplished it, then that is no longer of faith. That is now we put faith in ourselves. It's not faith in the Lord. And if we put faith in ourselves and we don't put faith in the Lord, the Lord's power won't be there in the same way in our lives because we know that the Lord desires us to put faith in him. That's why we hear the phrase by the Messiah saying um, you need the faith. It's just the faith of a mustard seed, right? <clears throat> and so if we have this faith of a mustard seed, then we can see the power of God move. But here's the problem is sometimes we we believe that we a lot of us, we, we get ourselves in this position where we think that so much of it, of what we want to see, the miracle, the the whatever we want to have take place that we want God to move in. Right. We actually sometimes subconsciously think so much of how much of our strengths in accomplishing this thing. And then in that place, we really diminish from God and his ability to move because we don't put our faith in him. And this is why Yeshua taught, uh, chose those untaught fishermen when he picked them. Right. He, he picked the disciples. He went and he asked the, these untaught fishermen instead of a very learned scholar of the day, for example, to be his become ultimately his 12 disciples. And, you know, he said this, for, uh, for example, Luke 10, verse 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He, he's saying, Lord God, Father, I thank you that you revealed this to little children and you hid it from the wise and understanding. Why? Why did the Lord do that? And why did Yeshua even rejoice in that? You know, here, one of the reasons is that the, those fishermen who became, who became his disciples, Peter and, you know, the rest, because they weren't learned, you know, that's when, when Yeshua called them, they were like, wow, this rabbi, this learned man, he's calling us to become his disciples. And they just leaped out of the boat, right? So they immediately saw there was this privilege and they saw that, wow, I get to do this, even though I'm unqualified, I get to become his disciple. And then they did. And now they're in the, because they know that they're weak in this area. They're not they're not big theologians, right? They're not they didn't study under um, some big rabbi before or anything. And so they recognize their own weakness. And so they're not going by consequence. Naturally, they're not going to be depending on their strengths to accomplish anything because they know they don't have strengths. They, they have the humility by nature to trust in God's power to come through because they have no other choice. They're basically left. They basically have nowhere to go. They realize their lack there and they have the humil enough humility to realize that. And so they must depend on him. They must take a hold of his garment because they realize if he doesn't show up, they're doomed. Right. 
And so they would not attribute the power of God in their life to their own strengths, their own theological accomplishments or, or, or knowledge or, or whatever work, because they know where the source of the power truly co comes from. Right. The, the, the other thing that that I think the other reason why God chose them is because he wanted to show us all that he doesn't play by the same rules of the world. He doesn't play by the laws of nature. Even the the world will tell you that if you want to get a skilled worker in this area to minister the gospel, for example, you need to go to a university. You need to get the best pastor. Uh, who just studied his master's and PhD in theo theology. And that's the guy you recruit to become this pastor of your church. That's what the world will tell you. Yeshua didn't follow that advice. He went to a bunch of fishermen because now it demonstrates the power of God yet again. And God gets the glory because now the world can even see. And that's why the Pharisees were so shocked with the disciples. They were like, they, it says that they saw that these men were unlearned and yet they were so they saw the power of God was on their lives and they they didn't know how to explain that. So God's power was demonstrated to the world by his ability to use even untaught and weak men like those disciples. Let's look at another example in the Bible. Moses. Okay, Moses is at the burning bush and he he says, God, why are you picking me? And, you know, he says, um, uh, Exodus four, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has man who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind is not I the Lord. Now, therefore, go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you should speak. Right. So we see that the Lord is really saying, I will be your mouth. I will be coming in where you are feeling weak. Do you not trust in my power in this area? Right. That's why God chose Moses, because again, he had he felt weak. That's great because Moses wasn't then going to suddenly turn around and think that it's because of how eloquently he talks that got Israel to leave Egypt. No, he knows that if God doesn't show up, Israel ain't leaving Egypt. And so God did show up because Moses had no choice but to put his faith on the line. And so what we see that Moses did is he he had to realize his weakness through prayer, through talking with God at that burning bush. Because when God laid out the, ma the master plan of how he's going to get Israel out of Egypt, Moses was faced with his weaknesses. That tells us that we must be in prayer to the Lord, because if we're not in prayer, we're going to not as easily identify our weaknesses. We may think, well, you know, I can accomplish this or that without the Lord. And uh, so let's let's talk about one more example and then, then we're going to. And then then I'm going to talk about some some cool stuff here. Uh, another last example I want to talk about here is Paul. Um, Paul, he talks about a, his weak appearance to Corinthians 10 verse 10. And he talks about these people who talk about him. 
So the churches were talking about Paul and they were saying the following. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. So Paul, the rumors and the gossiping and the, or what do you want to call it around who he was, was that he was not it didn't look like much physically. I don't know what that means. He just didn't look like a guy that was uh, strong. It says his bodily presence was weak, probably a skinny, weak guy who didn't look strong. I, I'm not sure, but that's what they said. And and it also says that they said that his speech was of no account. So Paul wasn't actually this amazing public speaker that you may have imagined him being. In fact, he goes on in 2 Corinthians 2 verse uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1. And he talks about this further and he talks about uh, he says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come with that. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and I'm crucified. And I was with you in weakness. Weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech, my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. So your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we see that he is saying, I did not come with lofty speech. I did not depend on lofty speech or or wise words of men or or I did not. You know, and here's the here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Paul was not an unwise man. He was a scholar. He studied under Gamaliel. He was very smart, much smarter than I am, or and most of us are, right? And he knew the Bible front to back, memorized. But still, in his in that place, he understands he is still weak because. He has the humility to realize that no matter how smart I am, no matter how much intelligence, how many Bible verses I got memorized or or revelations I have or name the blank insert how many people I've prayed for and who got healed and or how many miracles I've seen. Okay, whatever. No matter any of that, none of it ever matters. All that matters is that God shows up. If God does not show up, Nothing matters. I am weak. I am weak. And that's why it said. My speech was not in words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. He is telling us a quote unquote secret here. It's not a secret, but 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 he's giving us a key to that power that he walked in. He is saying, I recognized my weakness. You see, brothers and sisters, just a quick story. <clears throat> I remember um, uh, once I was at this conference and I was invited to speak there. And at this conference, I really had this, this such a desire for the Holy Spirit to show up in a big way. Like I knew that given who the audience was at this conference, that if the Holy Spirit did not show up, no matter what I would tell them, no matter what I would say, how big, good, how good my biblical arguments would be or how lofty my speech would be, none of that would matter. If the Holy Spirit does not show up, I'm not going to reach their hearts. I just knew it. 
And so I remember before my, my time slot to go and, and talk, I went to my hotel room and I got on my knees and I was just like, Lord, if you don't show up here, I can go home and everyone can go home. They're just going to waste my, their time listening to me. God, if you don't show up, nothing matters. I prepared, I got my Bible verses in order, I, but nothing is going to matter. If you don't show up, nothing will be of profit. In fact, I'll go as far as tell you that if the Holy Spirit does not show up when I speak, I'm going to deceive people because that's how little I trust myself. I am so weak without him. I have nothing of value to offer without him. And you think, Peter, you're just being nice. I tell you, no, I'm being serious. I'm being I'm being so serious. There is nothing I can do to reach anyone's heart or to 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 push the gospel forward. If his spirit is not on me, if his spirit doesn't show up in some way. And I know this, too, because even just taking a step back when I, I, I've talked to you guys about this before, but my greatest weakness ever was how afraid and shy and uh, I was about pe- around people and about people in terms of public speaking and things like that. Like this was something that I could not do. And I know even today I can't do it. Like I, I, I just can't do it. You, you know, you may have seen me speak in public and think, wow, you know, he speaks pretty good. Well, if you think that and you've seen that, well, all you've seen is, is and what I want to testify to you is all you have seen there is the Holy Spirit. Like that's it. Like, like I can't take any, any credit for it because every time I have to go and talk before people or do something, it's like, God, I'm weak. I'm weak and I, I can't do anything here, Lord. I, what am I doing here? I feel like that all the time. Lord, what am I doing here? I, I have nothing to offer. But Lord, I know, all I know is that if you do show up today, I know you can do something amazing. I know you can... You can do a miracle. You can change their hearts as I speak or as your spirit moves. You can, I know you will, you, you can do it. Like, but see, I know that it's not dependent on me. And that's what I want you to realize here that, that in whatever you do in life, whether it's some form of ministry thing that the Lord's put in your heart, that, that we all ought to have, we all ought to have our, our corner of servanthood, right? In his kingdom. Or maybe it's just, um, you know, at your workplace or whatever you feel, you know, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. But recognize your weakness and how inadequate you are without him. Because the more you realize that, the more by nature you're going to be leaning on him. And the more then you're going to be putting faith on him because you have no other choice. And the more you're going to see him show up in great power and miracles. That's what I was doing, what I've done. And that's the only reason I've, well, that's the, one of the big reasons. I mean, I've seen the Lord show up. You know, I remember when back when I was hungry for his Holy Spirit, I just wanted to see what the book of Acts was showing me, you know, and, and I, I just went out on the street and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shy guy. If you've ever met me in person, you know, I'm a shy guy, but I went out, out on the streets and, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who would just go up to a stranger. Like that's not just not in my, that's not in my nature. But I was like, you know what? I'm weak in this area and I don't even care. Like, I just need, I know that if I go and speak to someone, I can't, I can't help them. Like, PD can't help them. 
But I know that if I just show up, if I'm just there, I make myself available and I just go and I talk to someone and I just like and I just put all my trust in him to move. And I know that if he doesn't move, nothing matters. And I mean, I trust him that he wants to move and he and he will because he loves me and he loves this person. That's who he is. With all this, I go and I speak to someone and then I just see like miracles. I see like God do things, amazing things. But it was not because it here's the thing, brothers and sisters. And you know, you need to hear me out here. Sometimes we get in this thing so easily where it's about, oh, you know, um, if I fast enough, then I'll see I'll see God move. Oh, you know what? If I study my Bible enough, then I'll see God move. Um, you know, if I if I grow in more holiness, then I'll see God move. Or maybe if I make my prayer a little longer, maybe God will hear me. Maybe then will go. Maybe that'll make God move. You know, we we and all the things I just mentioned—they're beautiful things to fast, to pray, to study the Bible, to walk in holiness. Praise God, pursue those things; they're good. But you see, if that's what I think, if that's the work I do to make God move, then it's not the the power of god is now relying it's all about you you're relying on yourself you're relying on the work you've done and and here's the thing brother sister you're not relying on the gospel now because none of those things require the messiah to take place none i can i can before the messiah was ever crucified i could pray i could fast i could study my bible I could uh, try my best to do things that are holy works. Those things have are good. Don't get me wrong, but they aren't. They aren't the gospel. The gospel is that the Messiah died on the cross for us. He made us clean and he poured out his Holy Spirit on us. And that is the work that on that happened on the cross that accomplishes um, the power that is where the power of God flows from. If he didn't die, you don't get the Holy Spirit. If he didn't die, Holy Spirit is not poured out. That's where the Holy Spirit and the power and the authority that comes with the Holy Spirit comes from. It does not come from our works, even religious works. Our religious works are beautiful. There's value in them. Don't get me wrong. There's value in them. But don't think that it is my religious work that is the source of power. That is the power station where the power flows from. No, you must rely completely on God, because if you think it is about how long my prayer is, then that is I can just pray long. I can just do my best to pray as long as I can pray. And that's my work. That's my strength. I can be a man who prays long prayers, but my strength is not where God's power comes from. My weakness is where God's power flows in. When I realize I'm weak, when I realize I'm inadequate, when I realize that no matter how much I fast, no matter how long I pray, no matter how many holy good works I do, none of that would be enough on its own to heal another person. 
or to do some miracle or to, or to have the power of God move. Those things is not the source of power. The source of power is the Lord himself. And he comes when we put faith in his abilities above our own. I take I take pleasure in prayer. I take pleasure in all these other things we could do. But I'm not fooled to think that if I pray long enough, that's what's going to do it. Because now I'm not putting faith in God. I'm putting faith in the amount of how long my prayer is. Do you see what I'm getting at, brothers and sisters? This is so huge. If you could get this. You see, one of the big things I noticed when years ago, when we started taking people, uh, when I was in South Africa, before I moved to the U.S., you know, um, when I started uh, going out on the streets, soon the Lord just brought people who we went out on the streets with and we just prayed with people prayed for people and we saw amazing things. But people would often come to me, you know, and they would all help hope for me to uh, they would just wanted to get some discipleship on on how to walk um, this out right outside. And what I found was that when people prayed for others to get better, to get healed, to get deliverance, to get anything. Right. What I often saw was that they depended often on the length of their prayer. So they would well, let's just say they're praying for someone to get healed from something they would say. Lord, I pray that you would do this and Lord, I thank you and Lord and they and there's nothing wrong with prayer. I love prayer. Don't get me wrong, but this prayer would go on really long and then it's kind of like, okay, did anything happen? Nothing happened. Let's pray again and we pray really long and we're hoping, okay, did something happen this time? No, let's pray even longer next time. Okay, we're praying now longer. Next prayer is even longer. Okay, did something happen? No, nothing happened yet. Why not? Because you're dependent, you're depending on your prayer. Your prayer is now the thing that's healing the person. No, prayer is great. I love prayer, but that's not how it worked in the Bible. In the book of Acts, when we see Peter, he says, I don't have coins. I don't have silver for you, but rise up and walk. How long was that prayer? Four, five, six seconds long. So do you get what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? Because Peter knew that it is faith that does it, that it is not how long his prayer is. It is not. And you can pray a long prayer. I have no issue with a long prayer, right? No issue with that. But don't do it thinking that that's what makes God move <laughs> because you're putting faith in your own work again. So I hope that this is making sense, brothers and sisters. Um, I, I would like us to think about it this way. The power switch is on a different wall. Right? The power switch is not on our own abilities, our own works and our strengths and what we can do. The power switch is the simple faith in the Lord and the ABCs of what the gospel is. The Holy Spirit and his power accompanies the preaching of the gospel. So if you struggle to see the Lord's power work in your life, well, I'm going to ask you the first off, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you preaching the gospel or are you preaching a bunch of other stuff? There's a lot of good stuff we could talk about. It's a lot of profitable things to preach. But is preaching the gospel what is on the top at, at front of mind? Is that what you are preaching? Because that's what the Holy Spirit accompanies with signs and wonders. OK, it's 
the simple ABCs of Jesus died for you and me. And if we believe in him and repent of our sins, we can become his disciples and we can inherit eternal life. Okay, that message in its simple form is the gospel message. And that message is what we ought to preach. Now, oftentimes people preach a bunch of other stuff around it, but they don't preach the simple gospel. This is why you would see many ministries who just focus on that simple gospel message. They see great miracles accompanying their message and demonstration of the spirit accompany their message because that's what the Holy Spirit is for to accompany the message of the gospel. So that's very important for us to have our focus, right? That's why I'm always you've you've heard me speak about focus so much because I see a lot of people sometimes distracted. And I know if you're distracted, Holy Spirit doesn't go with the distractions. He's always focused on the gospel. You can go there, but he's here. He's focused on the gospel and be focused on what he's focused on. Do what he told us to do. Yeshua said, go into the world, proclaim the gospel, the good news to all creation, baptizing them, proclaiming them to them, teaching them all I've commanded you. That's what he told us to do. And that's where the promise is of where the Holy Spirit will accompany us with signs and wonders and miracles. Okay, so it's God's power. He's the source. It is for us. It's given for us. We transport it. Uh, Luke 10 verse 18, Yeshua said, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to trade on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. How much power of the enemy did he say you're you're given power over some of it, a little bit of it, half of it, three quarters of it, sometimes, oftentimes? No. I give you power over all, all of the enemy. Okay, all the power of the enemy, I give you power over. I give you authority over the enemy. I give you authority. That's like crazy. Like, can you just think about that? Like, it's like when uh, Abraham sent on Eliezer to find a wife for Isaac. Right. Do you remember that story? Abraham tells Eliezer, Eliezer, I'm giving you authority. It's basically what he's doing to find a wife for my son. That's exactly what God has done for us. He said, I'm giving you authority, the Holy Spirit, to find my bride, to proclaim my gospel so my bride can be brought back in. Right. And that's huge. That means when Eliezer went and he saw the bride, he chose the bride like he could act on his master's will. He, the master's authority was on Eliezer's life. It wasn't it was the, the source of the authority was from Abraham, but Eliezer was the one who carried it. And that's exactly how it is with us. The source of the authority is our father, but we carry it. And so we have authority. Do you understand? Like you have authority. You're royal. You're like a royal part of a royal family. And if you don't understand that you have authority over the enemy, you have authority over sickness. You have authority over disease. You have authority over the plans of the enemy. You have authority over um, uh, uh, whatever that is in opposition to God's kingdom. 
man, like that's huge. The problem is not that we don't have authority. The problem is that we don't believe we do. The problem is that we don't know we do. If you just believed what you had in you already, you would stop begging for what you already have in you. Some of us, we keep asking God for this and this and this and this. Lord, if you could only give me this authority, this power, this whatever. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. You know, I, I, I understand that hunger and I love that hunger. I love it. We should desire that, right? It's great. But even more so, go and look at what your Bible says has been given to you already and start believing you have it because you can go and and receive everything and still live like you have nothing. You can be a king. Imagine a king who was who is born of royal blood, a royal bloodline. But he doesn't know he's a king, so he walks around through the streets and the people, they just take advantage of him. They he doesn't even know he's a king. They laugh at him. They they don't they're not faced by his kingship because he doesn't know he's a king. He doesn't know he has authority. And that's how it is with the, in the demonic realm. With many of us, because even though we have been given authority by our master, we don't exercise it. And so the demons, they have a fun day because they they know you don't know. So they're not taken aback. But the moment that, you know, this is why the enemy hates this video. I'm telling you, he hates this video because the moment, you know, that you have authority, it's game over for the enemy. Like it terrifies him. Honestly, it does. And I've seen it like so real when you know, the most real thing you could see, the most real way you could see this is when you're casting out a demon and you'll just see how this demon is so scared when it's faced with someone who knows their authority. And that's why I have I have seen it so many times. It's so beautiful. I love it when, uh, you know, I, I come into a church and maybe there is a bit of a lack of understanding of their authority. And we talk about that. We educate the people on that. We tell them what they have in them already. These are just believers who love the Lord. And then a few weeks later, I'll just hear about some of those believers who caused some demons out of some other people or someone else or someone in the congregation or something, whatever, something happened because there was a click in their mind and they believed what I told them when I told them, guys, you have authority. Like, do you know what you've got? Like, do you know what you've got? And then they would go and the demons start trembling around them just because they knew just because they know, because the moment you know, the demons know that, you know, like, and that's why um, the demons even told uh, that one man um, who was trying to cause our demons, he was saying, I adjure you by the name of uh, Jesus, Yeshua, right? And then the demons came telling him, we know Paul, we know Yeshua, but who are you? So they know, they know who knows about their authority and they know who they know who knows they have authority and they know who know they, they know who knows that they are sons of God who has been given authority by the Messiah. A little bit of a tongue twister there. I hope that makes sense. Um, so um, this is why the simple knowledge of, of this all is so powerful. So brothers and sisters, I, I want to um, end this off here with this uh, a verse here. 
I read this the other day and I just thought it was so profound because Paul is, is writing here and he's talking about uh, Titus and he's just writing a letter and he mentions this other brother whose name we do not know. And he says something about this brother. Just just listen to this 2 Corinthians 8 verse 16. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Now, Now, when I read this, it's just pretty mundane. It doesn't look like much, these three verses, but... The last verse, he talks about this brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, wow. Like, you know, brothers and sisters, I don't care for fame. I, I don't care for approval of man. I don't truly. If I care for approval from the father. But imagine if you or to be well known for something. If you are to be known for something, when the day that there's your, it's your funeral, okay? There's, they're they're doing the funeral service, right? You got the people around your funeral. They're they're saying their last words about your life. What are they gonna say, man? Like I, you know, it, it doesn't really phase me. But what I'd hope is for them to glorify the Lord. And the fact that I was focused on the gospel. If if I was going to be well known, let it be well known for my hunger for the gospel. And I want to ask you, what if you were to be well known, what are you going to be well known for? Are you at your funeral? What are they going to be talking about? What is and, and the reason I'm just bringing all this up is because this gives us a glimpse of what is our life really about? What are we really focused on? That's really it. What are we focused on? Because this brother, he was he was well known for preaching the gospel. He, his name is not mentioned here. He just Paul just says that brother I'm sending to you who is well known for preaching the gospel. I'm just like, wow, what an honor that is. So, brothers and sisters, I put out a video a few uh, days ago uh, last week about it was titled Time to Refocus. And we talked about that focus of the gospel. I want to ask you to consider auditing your heart about where you're focused and getting it on that place. Because ultimately, brothers and sisters, we live and we die and it's over. It's quick. This life is like this. Tomorrow you may not be here anymore. Tomorrow I may not be here anymore. Okay. The Lord knows our time. And nothing else is going to matter. How much, how good you did at work, how many, how much money you made, what your status and career was, or, or, or none of that stuff is going to matter. All that's going to matter is the stuff that Yeshua said is going to matter. And that is the last thing he told us before he left. Go into the world, preach the gospel. And man, I, I just I just see that as being at the forefront of his mind and heart at all times, even though there's so many things to talk about. That's at the forefront of it. 
and I want that to be at the forefront of mine, and I ask you to consider putting it at the forefront of yours, because then we can lock our arms together in this thing, because brothers and sisters, people always talk about the great falling away. Here's the thing. You think the father is going to have a great falling away happen under his watch without him pouring out his spirit, without him moving in the spirit and bringing about amazing things like we saw in the early church. Man, I'm, I think that that's what the Lord's going to do. And, and I have heard many uh, confirmations from many brothers and sisters who believe that, look, the Lord is bringing something here. And I want you to be ready because it's it's at our doorstep. It's here and and it's time for us to start ex rejoicing in our weakness, saying, Lord, I'm weak. I don't know how to do this. I have no power. I have no strength. Even if you think you're a good speaker, you're weak. You see, it's all about humility. If you think you're strong, you're a liar. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. You're the, you think you're the best speaker, public speaker. You think you're the best with talking to people. You think you're the best with, or insert the blank. You're weak because without God, you are nothing. You cannot do anything for his kingdom without him. And you can do things on your own strength, but it will lack the power of God. And then it'll just be on your own strength. And it can only take you that, that far. And you'll see someone else who is super weak, who don't even have the natural talents that you have, surpass you in how they're used for God because they rejoice, they boast in their own weakness instead of their own strength. They say, Lord, I am weak. Help me. And those are the men that God will use. So God will use you if you feel you're educated like Paul was. That's fine. If you humble yourself and realize you're weak anyway, He'll use you just like you use Paul. And if you feel weak, like I feel weak in all areas, then great. Because God will use you just like you use those fishermen. There's no excuse. And this is the beauty of the gospel, the power of God, and that he rejoices to use us even when we feel weak, because then he is glorified all the more and our light will then shine all the brighter. Thank you for sticking through with me, brothers and sisters. I, I pray right now, just Holy Spirit, that you would just touch the hearts of everyone who's listening right now. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to show us really how weak we are, God. To give us the knowledge, the, the revelation of how much we truly need you, Lord. Because, God, I don't want to lean on my own understanding and strengths when I need to be leaning on you instead. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit to move. I thank you, Lord, for showing your people the authority you have given them already. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit right now to come upon them in the name of Yeshua. For those of us who are hungry for your spirit, Lord, for those of us who are who've been crying out for your spirit, Lord, I pray right now for your spirit. Pour it out on them right now in their rooms, in their offices, in their cars, wherever they're at. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill them up right now. Lord, I thank you, Father, for just bringing about a revival across your body to let them pick up their cross and follow you in a deeper way, Lord, leaning on you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for giving us a hunger for getting back in our prayer closets to pray more. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a hunger for your word. Thank you for giving us a hunger for fellowship. Thank you for giving us a greater hunger for fastings, all these things, Lord. But thank you, Lord, also for reminding us continuously where the power really comes from. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you have made for us. 
for without that, we would be lost. We would have no chance, no solution. But today we can rejoice in that you have not only saved us, but chosen to partner with us in bringing the good news of what you've done to the world. We pray this all in name, Yeshua. Blessings and shalom, brothers and sisters. Share this video and uh, I'll see you guys in the next one. Shalom.